Welcome to Tea Time with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm a former bikini fitness model turned self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hi friends, how's it going? I hope everything is good with you. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I record podcasts, I feel like I am sending you a voice message like over text. So I hope you feel that way too. It's like super personal and just a little check-in of where I'm at. I think this podcast is like the best thing I've ever started. I did not know how much I would really, really enjoy it. And it just feels so like connecting and authentic. And I can talk about whatever I want, including a lot of deep things that I don't usually share on social media. I just feel like a much safer space on the podcast. You know what I mean? Like on social, it's like there's so many trolls and haters and people who give like backhanded compliments. But over podcasts, like, oh my God, reading the reviews, like, first of all, thank you if you reviewed the podcast. Like, I so appreciate that. I didn't even know like how to ask to do that because I know that that's something I was supposed to ask to do. But like the fact that some of you just went ahead and reviewed the podcast, like it means the world to me. And I hope that I can continue doing it. So thank you so much. Um, Today's podcast episode is going to be a lot different than, I mean, not a lot, but a little bit different than before. Today's podcast is actually a podcast that I was on on somebody else's show. Her name is Robin Lee. She's an absolute gem. Robin has a platform called Freedom Nutrition and a podcast called Positively Selfish. And I really enjoyed this interview that I did with Robin and I thought I would share it with you too. I feel like it captures so much of my story, like the little things that I haven't talked about because it's totally different when somebody else is like asking you questions. I also talk about my journey with binge eating and healing from that. And a big theme of the show or the the episode, I feel like, is balancing health with self-love. How can we approach health from a place of compassion instead of criticism or from a place of love for our bodies instead of hate? Now, I get this question a lot on Instagram because I know that a lot of you have a value of, I want to be healthy, I want to live long, I want to feel good, you know? And sometimes diet culture really fucks with that, you know? It makes you feel like, Unless you are hardcore dieting, then you're not healthy. But once we rewire that, we're like, okay, so where's the healthy balance then? Because maybe me binge eating like doesn't necessarily feel healthy. And I'm a firm believer that you have to go through all the phases. So personally, the phase I went through was binge eating and rejecting diet culture completely and getting really, really angry. And then over the years, like as I found more peace with this journey, I found that, yeah, I want to eat green food, you know, like veggies and stuff. And I want to feel good. That's not to say I didn't want to before, but now I can approach it from a place that's much less triggering to me and it won't like spiral me back into my eating disorder. And it's actually a place that feels good instead of feeling like I quote should, you know, eat healthy. So that's a big part of what we talk about on this show. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Let me know if you did by tagging me in your Instagram stories and I will talk to you soon. Hey everyone and welcome to Positively Selfish. I am absolutely buzzing today to be joined by the lovely Mary Jelkowski. Hey Mary. Hey. Hey How Robin. are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm good. I'm so good. It's Friday morning. I'm feeling good. <laughs> good. Yes. I love it. I like it's so funny because I, I, I've never been one of these, like, I've got that Friday feeling kind of person, probably because of the career path that I've had and it just kind of isn't yeah. relevant to what day it is. But I also feel quite buzzing today and it just happens to be Friday. Yeah. And it's Friday night for you, Friday morning for me, like time zones are super cool and yeah. the internet is even cooler. So exactly. here we are. <laughs> and I mean, I know that this kind of makes it seem a bit less live, but whatever, let's just roll with it. It's also Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day to you. I've been, I've been seeing V-Day because I feel like it's a little, it's like more neutral. Like if you don't have a Valentine, it okay. could be like your vagina day. Oh, you know? I love it. Like, happy vagina yeah. day, babes. <laughs> <laughs> and also galentines that's also oh, a thing like, that's a good one see i go straight to the the the, the vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh yeah. If that doesn't describe my personality in one sentence, I like literally <laughs> don't think it does. <laughs> is there like a guy's version of Galentine's? I don't even know. Is there? Yeah. Is there? Unsure. No. We should come up with something. Yeah. Malentine? Manentine? I don't know. Malentine's is like melons. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, if anyway, you if okay. you know at home whether there is a male Valentine's Day, then please let us know because we clearly need to be educated <laughs> on that one. Anyway, <laughs> so love that sidetrack. So I'm going to give you a very brief intro into Mary, as I always do. And then Mary, I'm going to throw the mic over to you to just give us a bit of fleshing out on that because I'm very, very excited to hear more about you. So Mary is very cool, first of all. She's very inspiring. She is a writer, a TEDx speaker, Tea Time with Mary host and the host for Worldwide Women's Self-Love Retreats, and a huge advocate for self-love, being beautiful, and general body confidence. And if we didn't need anyone more on this podcast, it would be you. So I'm very, very excited to get into more. And if you could just kind of flesh us out on that, give us a bit of like history on Mary and like how you got to where you are today, that would be amazing. You make me sound so good. Um, so I was born here in the States. I was born in California and I, I live in Arizona and around middle school and high school, like I started getting really insecure about my body. I don't know, like, actually I do know exactly when it started, but I think when I was like 11 and 12, I didn't realize that what I was actually struggling with was not only like body image issues, it was a full blown eating disorder. And I didn't know that because Well, there's a few different things. And when I say this out loud, it sounds super weird, but maybe one person can relate. When I was in middle school, like having, like being sad was cool, right? Like I was, I don't know, I was in middle school in like 2010-ish and being sad was like the cool thing to do because it's like the emo vibe and you wear black. And I remember every, like every person had their like own problem. Like that was the, the girl who, you know, self-harm. This was the girl who slept around. This was the girl who, and everybody had these labels. And I think as a teenager, you're still trying to figure yourself out and you want so badly to fit in. So there was that aspect of it. Um, there was also the part of just feeling the pressure that society places on young girls. And I always say that when I was, when my little sister was born, she was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And from that day that she was born, I decided that I was going to be like the perfect big sister, the perfect girl, the perfect everything. And the three things that I needed to to do to be perfect or to be, to be this embodiment of perfect is smart. Okay. Girls should be smart, pretty, because all girls need to be pretty or else like, what is your value in society? And thin. And it started that thin was like number three. And then slowly but surely being thin was number one. So that was really early on um, in my life. And as I, as I went into high school, like fitness started getting really popular. You know, Insta, this is when Instagram was blowing up and there are all these like Fitspo accounts and I was participating. I was one of them. And then one thing leads to another and I start competing in bikini fitness competitions. So basically, instead of starving myself now, I'm kind of like on this meal plan. And for me, that was, at the time, I thought that that was what was keeping my eating disorder in control. Whereas looking back, I know that that was what was the safe haven, the permission for my eating disorder to thrive. So it really, you know, my bulimia started getting so much worse. It started becoming like more prominent and more ugly, so to speak. It wasn't really like starving myself during the day and just eating after ballet class as it was when I was younger, but it started being like straight up throwing up my food and and exercising for four hours a day. And as I moved into college, I I competed my senior year of high school um, and my first year of college. And at a certain point, and this is the part where I'm still trying to figure out what exactly happened mentally or physically, but at a certain point, I just could not do it anymore. I signed myself up for another show But no matter what, I found myself at like 11 p.m. at the food city, like across the street or not across across the town because I didn't want to go to my local grocery store because I was so scared that anybody would see me. And I would be like buying boxes of cereal. And because I was a college student, I was dirt poor. So my binge eating disorder started getting really expensive. And I started like stealing food and coming home and just binge eating all night and then sleeping all day. And it was just this 
this vicious spiral um, until somebody intervened. Ironically enough, it was my coach's wife who was like, wait, this 17-year-old girl um, is telling you that she's really struggling, like she needs help. So I got help from a naturopath. I went like a really non-traditional route and I did go on to do more like counseling and coaching and therapy later. But the first person who was kind of like, you got to stop was my naturopath because obviously my hormones were, were all out of whack. And um, I unfortunately have to admit this just as a caveat, like I was doing what what they called in the fitness industry, big girl supplements. So like steroid, like not like straight up steroids, but getting there to like make myself lose weight. Like I, I, in the States, this stuff is not legal, but like a Fedra, like, I don't know. I know in Canada it's legal, but um, you know, the stuff people took in the eighties to lose weight and thought it was like so good for you. And I was 17 doing all this stuff and running my body to the ground. And thankfully that happened. And I still, like I said, I still don't know what it was that on my like third show, I felt like the willpower just ran out. It was just, it was, it was crazy because I thought I was broken. I thought that I was broken, that I was out of control, that I fell off the wagon, that what I needed was a diet. I blamed everybody. I blamed my coach for not giving me a good enough diet. I blamed myself most importantly. Like I, I just, I felt really broken. I felt like what something, something was wrong with me. And I, I guess my bulimia kind of turned into straight up binge eating disorder. And it's not like a sexy eating disorder to have, you know, it's, it's an eating disorder that doesn't make you lose weight. It actually makes you gain weight. It's an eating disorder that you're not saying no to food. You're literally stuffing your face. Um, and it's ugly. It's not like everything is neat and clean. It's like your apartment's a disaster. There's cereal all over the floor. So it was filled also with a lot of shame for me. Cause I think that, um, when I struggled with like, believe me, I guess more so in middle school and high school and in fitness, like I said, it was more of a safe haven and it was more like normal. Cause like everybody was trying to lose weight and that wasn't a thing that anybody blinked an eye to. In fact, I got so much validation like, Oh, you're so healthy. You're so dedicated. You're so fit. And people were paying me money to write the meal plans. And like, it was all the glamour. And then, you know, going really extreme the other direction of just binge eating, like all that, all that sexy stuff goes away. Nobody's paying you anymore. Like nobody, nobody really cares about you, I guess. So I felt very lost and hopeless. I'm going to pause there just in case you have any, any questions. Yeah, I feel like I've got loads of questions, but I'm also <laughs> loving the story. Um, I guess, firstly, my, my first question, and I feel like a lot of my listeners will have the same thing, is where did your parents fall into this? Like, were mm-hmm. they expressing concern and you're ignoring them? Or yeah, what was their role? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked because like, People sometimes ask, but I think nobody really thinks that deep. And especially as parents, like you want to know what to do or yeah. as like an older sibling or whatever. Um, so my um, my mom, so I lived with my mom and I my dad is away, not in the picture pretty much. Um, so I, I lived with my mom and my mom was really like supportive. She's always been supportive of anything I want to do. And I'm like very stubborn. Like I was one of those kids that's like, and at the same time, I'm like straight A student, full ride scholarship to ASU, like going to the gym every single day. How can you question that? You know what I mean? It was one of those things that's like, oh, my daughter's doing so well. Like she's in college. She looks fit. She's traveling the world, being a sponsored athlete. Like my mom would tell her friends that I'm an athlete because that's what you are as a competitor, especially. And when you're winning trophies, and like I said, it's so sexy, it's so glamorous. And her friends would come over and they would ask me for diet plans and all this Mm. stuff, you know? So it was very like, um, I, and I don't blame her because I think that it, you know, even if she were to intervene, I would have been like, like, screw you, mom. Like, what are you talking about? Like all this stuff, this is my life. This was my life. This was my career. This was like everything that I wanted, wanted, so to speak. So unfortunately, um, she wasn't the person to say she would say things like, Hey, like maybe you should be eating more like fats. Like she's very big on like natural healing. So she's like, maybe you should be eating some more nuts. And she would try to do things like that. But I would just break down and cry. Like I was so sensitive that if something was like outside of my meal plan, we would get in fights and I would cry. So, and I was also going through like hormonal teenage stuff too. Like it was, it was a, a hard time. For both of us. Um, so yeah, that's, 
that's the parents thing. The other thing is like I skipped a grade and then I graduated early. So I was already like in college living on my own when I was 17. Mm. So it's like when this started, my mom was in the picture. But then when it really got full force, like I was pretty much on my own. Mm. And how much younger is your sister than you? Because obviously you said that was like a massive part of your life. My little sister's 10 years younger. Okay. Um, And yeah, she so she lived with my mom, obviously, and, and her dad, we have different dads. So she's kind of my half sister. Um, and she, she was young. Like I thought she didn't get it. You know, I thought she didn't understand what I was doing. Of course, now I know, like, you know, hearing her talk about it, like she'd be like, man, you remember that one time we went out to dinner and you wouldn't eat anything. And I'm like, yes, let's not bring that up. (laughs) Um, so now I know that it, it really did affect her on a more so subconscious level, but she was so little, you know, and I would come home, spend time with her the best I can. And then go straight back to the gym. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And do you still feel that intense obligation to, you know, be the amazing role model for your sister? Um, I think I feel a lot of guilt. I actually wrote about this very recently. I feel a lot of guilt about the past. um, Because part of what, where my story led is after that, like breaking point moment where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I moved to Canada. I was like, I need to get out of Arizona. Like this is, anytime I'd go to the gym, people would be like, what happened to you? Like, are you going to get back on the wagon soon? And I'm like, what is this proverbial wagon everybody's always speaking of? Um, but I felt so ashamed. So I met somebody and I literally like dove headfirst into the relationship. He was Canadian and I left, which was the best thing that I ever did for myself. So I also have a lot of guilt about the first, I guess, eight years of her life. I was absent, either absent in my head or like physically absent because I lived in Canada for two years. So I feel a lot of guilt and like this feeling of like making up for lost time. I also know that if none of that happened, you know, I would never be the sister that I am today, which is, you know, the one that's petting her head if she's getting bullied at school and, and just being there for her. I think the number one thing that I've learned is like, they don't need more things. They don't need, they don't even necessarily need more time with you. Of course, that's part of it. But what they really need is that more presence. Like when you are there with him, how, how present are you? My sister gets picked on at school a little bit. And it's like, we're always trying to search for the right thing to say or to tell her like, no, it's not true. And, and to just say something that's going to make her feel better when in reality, like she has to go through her own life journey and her own lessons and experiences and overcome certain challenges, including like what it was like to have her sister absent. Maybe that's one thing she'll discuss in therapy in the future. (laughs) Um, But that's also her journey. And the best I can do now is like, just be there with her, just hug her. Like when I was a little girl, I just needed somebody to hug me and to like pet my head and say, it's going to be okay. And in the moment, I'd be like, it's not helping. But in your heart, you know, it's helping when somebody's holding you and holding sacred space for you and letting you be in your feelings. I'm sorry, I'm like on a tangent now, but I um, heard, <laughs> I heard, or I saw a Facebook video of this dad like sitting next to his toddler, like this little boy had to have been two. And the toddler's like throwing a fit, like throwing a tantrum, screaming, crying, fists on the floor, pounding, like, and the dad is just sitting there. He's not on his phone. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting there. And the baby, like sometimes they'll be crying and he'll come to dad. And then other times he like pushes dad away. And it's like 15 minutes of the dad just sitting there as the baby is throwing a tantrum. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's woke parenting. That's woke parenting because somebody not saying, shut up, stop crying. You're stupid. Get over it. You're just there with them and their feelings and making sure that they're not alone. I have goosebumps just thinking about that idea and and seeing that video because that's that's what people really need. They just need somebody to be there and to let you feel and to hold that space for you. And we're, you know, toddlers are the fullest expression expression of themselves. And speaking of being positively selfish, like as children, we're selfish. Yeah. <laughs> we are selfish. We feel what we need to feel. We cry when we need to eat. We poop when we need to poop. And the world revolves around us. And somewhere along the way, like we, we lose that. And we start running our lives for other people, for what I like to call other people's agendas, OPA, other people's expectations, OPE, and other people's opinions, OPO, but it's all based on other people. Mm. So it's tough. 
tough being an adult. Yeah, for sure. And just to tell you, because I feel like I really relate to everything that you're saying from the other perspective. So I am a little sister and I have one sister who's 14 months older than me. So we're very close in age and we're very, very close in general. And, but we didn't used to be when we were younger, we were like fought a lot and we didn't really get on Mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah, we didn't have the best relationship. And now my sister actually lives in Israel and I obviously live in the UK. Mm -hmm. So we speak all the time, every day. And she is an amazing mum. She has four kids and she, you know, we might see each other maybe like two or three times a year. That's it. But I never feel any distance from her because we've got Mm -hmm. such a close relationship and I admire her so much and I look up to her so much and watching her be an amazing mum to her kids and she's also got an insane career and she's doing all this stuff and she's an amazing wife and all this is so amazing for me to see as a little sister so just know that for your little Mm -hmm. sister watching you it doesn't matter where you are and it doesn't matter whether you're with her or not like she's watching you and she's inspired by you. I can tell you on her behalf, I'm sure. And that is amazing. Thank you so much. That really means the world to me. I, you know, we, we talk about, I'm sure you talk about like people pleasing and how important it is to like not people please. And we don't realize that that also extends to our family. Um, and that, you know, you doing what you need to do whatever it is, whether it's for your mental health, your physical health, you got to live where you got to live, you got to raise your family, you got to do the things and you can't come over for whatever reason is actually the kindest thing that you can do for your relationship in the long run, Mm -hmm. which is just so hard because it feels so counterintuitive. But thank you so much. That really does mean the world to me. Um, That's kind of where I'm at now where I'm just trying to do that whole lead by example thing. Mm, Yeah. And there's been times as well with definitely my sister and other people with my friends or whoever it is where you know they might have let's say cancelled something that I wanted to do but then Mm -hmm. I respect them so much for doing it that it's inspiring for me to then go and do that and you know obviously there's been many times well not that many actually but you know this is like episode 78 or 80 or whatever it's going to be and mm-hmm. within that time of my podcast there's been a couple of times where people have been like listen I'm just not in the right headspace or I'm just it's not a good time I need to reschedule and I'm always like it's mm-hmm. absolutely cool like I want you to you know you have to do that otherwise it con- contradicts the whole point of what we're even going to be discussing so oh, exactly. I, yeah yeah like people have to to be positively selfish and and I yeah. want to go into those those OPs that you spoke about because I think that that's mm-hmm. really good for people to hear um but before that I want you to finish the rest of your story because I feel like you're a great storyteller oh. so carry on oh, thank you really <laughs> thanks yeah I'm just a talker a talker I was on a meeting yesterday and I, and and they were like how are you feeling I'm like I'm so pumped up which means I'm probably going to be talking for an hour straight so please interrupt <laughs> at any point and that's exactly how I get so please interrupt at any point but um, I, yeah, so I went to Canada. I s- transferred to schools there. I went to University of Calgary. I started studying economics. Canada opened up so many different doors for me, just simple things like meeting my biology lab partner, who was a- an economics major who reignited my, my love for economics back when I was in high school. But people talked me out of it because like, there's this thing that economics is boring, which it's not, I will fight you on it. It's not boring. <laughs> So she, my best friend really inspired me to switch my degree. Whereas I think before I was trying to do the whole like nutrition, I was trying to do so many different things. So I did end up finishing my degree just this last month, actually. So I'm really grateful for that. Congratulations! Thanks. Thanks so much. And yeah, Canada opened up a lot for me. I learned a lot in this relationship that I was in that was uh, very, very difficult. It was like, the the hard thing about it is that it was the biggest source of my healing and also the biggest source of my pain because it was borderline abusive. So it was like, as I'm healing from the eating disorder, other things started coming up in the relationship and us just being not good romantic partners in general, which is a whole story for another time where I developed so much, you know, codependency struggles because suddenly I felt very attached to one person being the source of not just my pain, but my pleasure. And when somebody's the source of your pain and pleasure, your mind starts getting really, can I cuss? Yeah. Fucked up. Your mind just gets really fucked up. And that's really how manipulation works is that 
somebody like brings you down and then they bring you up and they make you feel like they're the only person that can bring you up and your mind forgets that they're the ones that brought you down in the first place. So lots of things there. I ended up moving um, back home. But before I moved back home, I booked a ticket to Bali. <laughs> Yay, Bali! Uh, yes, Find yourself! Bali. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I needed my eat, pray, love moment. I think I didn't realize how like mainstream Bali was because I think I just saw it on like, one girl's Instagram. I was like, I want to go there. And I actually, when my ex and I broke up, I was working at a cocktail lounge just to like make money to pay my rent. And that's where I met my best friend. And we went to Bali together. And in Bali, I just had this whole like, freeing experience that, you know, suddenly it's like, okay, I healed the food stuff, right? I'm still I was still kind of working on the body stuff, just like I feel like body image journeys are just like lifelong, same with self love journeys, that shit takes a while. Um, and so, but then there was like this whole relationship thing. And I feel like Bali just like, it was my first time traveling abroad. Like it was my first time traveling alone with my best friend. And it just opened up so many doors for me. Um, and just like seeing my worth and what I was capable of. I booked the ticket to Bali on my credit card. Like I had zero money. I paid it off later. I remember at the airport on my way to Bali was when I first made my first ebook and I put it up on my website for $4.99. And Basically, by the end of it, it funded my whole trip to Bali, which was like incredible because that whole like, let me just take a leap of faith and I'll figure it out really did work out for me. Um, and yeah, in Bali, that's when I started like toying with the idea of hosting retreats. My social media started blowing up suddenly. So many, I actually, my turning point in my Instagram journey was in Israel. So it's funny that mm-hmm. <laughs> you're lives there. Um, that's when I started, like I went to Israel with uh, some friends too. And my girlfriend was really into photography. So I started having more fun with my Instagram. I also started having more courage to like talk about the journey and, and blog a little bit more. And of course it was like baby steps. Cause I was so freaking nervous that, you know, I would be labeled as the girl who got fat and lazy and gave up on herself. And like what happened to her, like all those things that I brought with me from the fitness. But the opposite happened. So many people, so many women, especially were like, Oh my God, me too. Oh my God. I tried to work out too. And now I'm binge eating. Oh my God. I'm always feeling like I'm not good enough, even though I've already, I've lost the 20 pounds. Oh my God. I I just need to lose those last five pounds and I swear I'll be happy. And then they come back in a couple weeks. Like I lost those last five pounds and I still hate myself. Not more. And so many women came up and some of my posts started going, you know, getting republished in online magazines and going a little bit viral, I guess, for me at the time was really cool. And, and yeah, so by the time I was in Bali, I started toying with the idea of hosting women's self-love retreats because I was like, I see so many yoga retreats. I see so many like, you know, very um, career specific retreats, but I don't see something for women that's just like really general for self-love. And so I posted on Instagram that I'm doing a self-love treat this time next year. And within a year, you know, I brought people to Bali. Um, People came to Sedona, Arizona, which is a couple, a couple hours away from home. And I hosted a retreat there. Then I hosted a retreat. This was last year in San Diego. And now next or in one month, I'm hosting a retreat in Zanzibar, which is crazy. Um, Because I mean, to you guys, Zanzibar is close. (laughs) To me, it's like it's a whole different planet. Yeah. Um, and then after Zanzibar, we're going to Costa Rica. So that that journey really, really stemmed in being in Bali and seeing everything that was possible and all the freedom and joy and just like the simple like act of running on the beach with the wind in your hair and the sand beneath your toes and not to make this sound super cliche and romantic, but like your rosy cheeks and it's like Baywatch and that like sense of freedom was just so real for me. Um, so yeah, now now we're here. Now we do retreats. <laughs> Amazing. And what actually happens on the retreat other than the slow motion beach running that everyone's now imagining? <laughs> we do the slow motion beach running. Yeah. Um, at retreats, we do, we do daily workshops. So basically, um, when I was going through my eating disorder recovery stuff, I did a lot of coaching. I did a lot of training. I did a lot of workshops. So they're basically personal development workshops. But like catered to self-love and body image journeys. Um, so we, we go on this whole journey where every day we, we get together and we're doing group activities. We're doing um, big group activities. We're doing individual things, visualizations, like 
so many things that get you to dig deep and to uncover and discover that and rewrite. That's the most important part, rewriting your beliefs in a way that you actually leave the retreat and keep on believing them. So it's not just like a cute thing that you did one day. It's something that you can leave and take everything home with you to not just for yourself, but for your relationships, to your career, to everything that you're doing back home. So it's not like I found that a lot of personal growth stuff is like even a motivational video on YouTube, right? You're on this like high, high, and then the video stops and you're like, well, what do I do now? Um, So I try not to do that. And we try to make it very tactical and tangible as well. And then we also go on excursions, like depending on where we're at, you know, we we have a lot of fun Mm. and um, we eat together, which is the coolest thing. Like, you know, you can break bread with somebody. It's just so intimate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that was actually something that I was going to touch on with your, when you were telling your story and you said that when you went to Israel and you were having more fun with the Instagram and that's when it kind of worked. And it's interesting because I was having some business coaching the other day and Mm -hmm. the guy was saying to me, like, just have more fun, like, just be more fun. Cause I'm definitely unfun sometimes. I kept very like intense in the hard work and like, it's not fun. We need to succeed, you know? (laughs) And and everyone always says that, you know, it just started working when I was having fun. (laughs) So like expand on that because that's for some people, that's like really hard to do, even though that sounds like the easiest thing. Yeah, no, it is so hard. And I totally feel you because especially with like the Instagram algorithm and engagement and like, you got to feed your family, like you got to make the sales. Like I get that, you know, Um, it's hard to like, you know, remember that Instagram is social media. It's it's social. Like that's the first thing that it is, is social, right? You don't go to a cocktail party and start start giving people your infographic, right? What do you do? You come over, you say, hi, how are you? And that's really what people also want on Instagram. They want somebody to hear them. They want somebody to like the, the, the mo the music to my ears that I get, which is when I know that something's working. It's like, Oh my God, I feel like you're in my head. Mm. That's when I'm like, wow. And the crazy thing is it always happens when I say something that I feel like nobody else is feeling. Really? That I literally feel like I'm talking out of my ass. Nobody's going to relate to this. I'm being too, I'm being an overthinker. It's too intricate. It's too deep. It's too much. It's too this. It's too that. I'm the only one. And then like, I'll, I'll literally be like, IDK about you. That's like, you'll see this on my Instagram. Like anytime Mary says IDK about you, that's when you know, I'm feeling a little insecure about what I'm saying. (laughs) And then I'll say something just like my deepest, darkest thought and people will be like, Oh my God, me too. So there's definitely that vulnerability aspect and straight up tapping into like whatever your whatever your your thing is, I think for a while I was so caught up in, oh my God, all these girls have an aesthetic. They have a theme. They have a preset that they use. And my photos are all over the freaking place. Like they are, you know, one day I'm posting with my sister. The other time I'm like in lingerie, like it's all over the place. And it's a mess because guess what? That, that's who I am. You can probably hear it by the way I talk. I go so many different directions. I can I can talk about anything. And I've learn to embrace that like multifaceted side of myself. And just like every woman is so multifaceted, but trying to be like that, that Instagram girl that has her, her little Lightroom preset, it's, it's not going to get you anywhere. Mm. You know, she's already her, like, let her be her and you can be you. Um, and I think what, what happened in Israel with my friend is she taught me how to like, just, just like, like take pictures and make it fun. And I remember we would run around, physically run around and take pictures of each other. And it was so, it wasn't like, let me pose the perfect pose so that you could take a picture. It was like, she would just keep clicking it and the photos would be so candid. And they were like, oh my God, this is literally what we were doing. And we'd be like laughing because we would just be like editing them together. And we're like looking at our funny facial expressions. And it was just like a whole different energy behind it, as opposed to like, let me pose, suck in and get the perfect picture. Okay, let me see it. Like, okay, wait, no. Can you take it from the bottom? Oh no, from the bottom, it makes me look fat. Like, how about from the top? Let me pose again. And it's just like this whole ordeal. I think, um, you know, having somebody who supports you in that creative journey and takes candid photos of you is also really cool. Um, but tapping into like whatever your 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 like love is, your your zone of genius, so to speak, whatever lights you up. Like if you love writing long captions, that's what I do. I write long captions. I don't, <laughs> I couldn't care less what the photo says because to me, it's all about the captions. Sometimes I really do want to say something in an image or video and not getting caught up in the numbers and the likes because like 
at the end of the day, like you have to remember there's a real human being. That like is not a like. It's a person saying, wow, this is cool. I resonate with that. Tap, tap. Right? It's a real human. And I have this theory that whenever people get behind machinery, we turn into like straight up non-human. We turn into just beasts that just try to destroy each other, whether it's like wars and guns or it's behind a car. Like, I'm sorry, if somebody ran into you on the on the road while you're walking like a pedestrian, you wouldn't be like, you mother effer, like you cut me off, blah, 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 right? But suddenly we're behind a wheel and we start talking to people like they're not even human. Mm. And the same thing happens with the technology of, of our phone is suddenly we start treating people like they're not human. And it goes both ways, not just with the mean hate comments that you get or that somebody may get. Hopefully you don't get those. I get those. But it also goes towards like, okay, whenever you receive that positive love on social media, remember that it's a human, like a real life human being who's probably a mom at the mall with her kids who opened up Instagram, who's taking a moment away from her children to say, I like this. Mm. So that, yeah, hopefully that helps. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. Thank so much. That is. I feel like I'm talking so much. Yeah, I love it. Carry on. <laughs> I want you to, for sure. And Thank you. No, I completely get it with Instagram and it's such a great point. It's social media. It's not like algorithm robot fest, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's social media. It's a cocktail party. Yeah, I love that analogy. It's really good with the cocktail party. And okay, so something that I wanted to ask you then in terms of going back to what you were saying about when you work on retreats and you work with women, is it only women that come on your retreats, by the way? Yes. At I am point time, yeah. one million percent coming on one of your retreats. Like, I can't <laughs> even tell you. I am very excited to come on a retreat. So um, anybody listening who wants to come with me, let's book it and go. I am genuinely being serious. I'm not just saying that. We are meeting in person. I'm coming on a retreat. Oh, my goodness. 100%. <laughs> definitely. That would be amazing. Yes. Well, I'll see you there. Um, maybe not next month, but the next one. <laughs> I'll save you a spot. I'll save you a bed next to mine. Yes. Well, cool. you'll get your own room, a room next to mine. Okay. <laughs> so what I want to ask you, because I always find this is um, a really tricky point and I'm interested to know your opinions on this. So mm. some people, you know, definitely a lot of people have the motivation to change their body because of all the external factors that you're saying, you know, whether it's Instagram or whether it's comparison or whether they want to fit in or bikini or whatever, 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 all these, let's say like negative influences for wanting to changing. But then what about in your opinion, are there any positive reasons for wanting to change? And is there a, is there a positive flip side of body changing? Yeah, you know what? I saw a post. Um, there's like a fellow influencer. Her name is Sarah Sapora, I think. Um, she's really fantastic. Her posts are amazing. She's like an all American girl, like just doing her thing. And she likes to work out and she's in a, a relatively bigger body or she considers herself to be. And she talks about, you know, working out and trying to lose weight. And she's also very like anti diet, like body positive, like all this stuff. And she gets a lot of hate from both communities of people telling you telling her like you're fat you need to lose weight and then the like anti-diet community being like um I can't believe you're working out <laughs> and it's ridiculous like first of all it's 2020 and we got 2020 vision in 2020 which means 2020 women don't hate on women for any of their choices period like period so it it makes me really angry but with that being said she did a post about like hey I know you can be like anti-diet and not want to lose weight and it's great. Like, I'm glad it's working for you, but my fucking knees hurt and I want to lose some weight and I want to be better and I like to work out and I want to, you know, do all these things. And it was really eye-opening for me because I think for a while when I was first healing, you know, part of the healing process is really educating yourself and going the, the other extreme, maybe not extreme in a negative way, but just going the other direction of being like, okay, why do I feel the need to lose weight? What is fat phobia? Why am I so scared of gaining weight? Like, um, what what lies is diet culture telling us about weight loss and all this stuff and what a healthy body is, right? So for a while, I was really on the train of like, you shouldn't try to lose weight. But, you know, following her journey and seeing that, I'm like, 
there definitely are people and reasons for trying to be healthy. If health is a value to you, which I'm not saying it has to be everybody's value, but for a lot of people, you know, they want to run around with their grandkids and they want to live longer. And they know that there are certain foods and certain habits that are going to help them get to that direction. So like, how can we, the question is, how can we balance like health with self-love? And my answer to that is it's not balance because self-love has to come before health because you cannot change what you can't accept. Anybody that goes through Alcoholics Anonymous or any type of rehabilitation program or any type of therapy or healing journey, the first thing your therapist will tell you is accept where you're at. Like acknowledge where you're at, become self-aware of what the thoughts in your head look like. And then once you accept them, you can start changing them. But that acceptance has to come from self-love because you can never self-hate, you can never criticize, you can never force yourself into weight loss or any other sort of positive change. And as much as people think that, you know, if I hate on myself or if I talk shit to myself, there's this whole like hustle, grind, 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 then I'm going to make more money. Or if I hate on myself, then I'm going to look my best. Or if I hate on myself, then I'm going to find a partner. I just need to hate on myself some more. I mean, it sounds ridiculous when I put it that way, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can never, even with performance or work and health goes into that, you can never hate yourself into being better. It's just contradictory. So you really have to love yourself from that place. And, and I found that, you know, I gained a little bit of self-love weight as I was healing And as my body's starting to stabilize, like I'm not rapidly gaining weight. Like everybody thinks if you stop dieting, you're just going to gain weight forever. It's not possible. Mm. Your body starts feeling that energy. And I think the metaphysics of food and exercise and everything, what I mean by metaphysics is the energy that you put behind every single action is so much more important. Because guess what? If you're going to stress about eating a hamburger, like, of course, your cortisol is going to go up and that hamburger and this is not how biology works, but for simplicity's sake, is going to go straight to your stomach. But if you're feeling like really good and you're out with your friends and and you're you're having a beer and having a burger and it's so much fun and you're laughing and you go out dancing and you come home and you're just feeling so yourself, feeling so good about yourself, it's going to be a totally different effect on your body. And not just because of the cortisol biologically, which you probably can educate us on all of those processes, but just spiritually and emotionally and, and everything, it just, it all works together. Like we cannot separate the two. So it's not, how do I balance health and self-love as if they're on different sides of the spectrum? It's like, how do I love myself into, into doing whatever I think is going to make me better? Like I said, if health is your value, and I think for a lot of people, especially lower income people or people that it's just not on the forefront of their mind. They're like, I just need to get through today. I don't give, give a shit about my health right now. Like, I'm sorry. I think also a lot of the healthy stuff is very privileged. You know, not everybody can afford a $10 chia seed smoothie from Whole Foods. I, and I don't know if you guys have Whole Foods, but, no, but you know, it has some similar, like, yeah. ridiculously overpriced situations. <laughs> right. And it's like, we call it like, I joke that it's like a wellness cult now. It's like, oh, mm. like, you know, so yeah, but if health is, if that's that's your thing, that lights you up, it's your passion, it makes you excited, it makes you feel good. Like I, I was telling the meeting I was on yesterday, it was, I was, um, it was one of my managers and I was telling them like, you know, I, I can't eat a whole pizza at lunch because I'm not going to be able to like work and serve my community and create cool content. I'm just going to want to fall asleep, right? So I have to be cautious of that. That's coming from a place of love, knowing what works for me. It's not like I hate myself so I'm not going to eat pizza, right? Yeah. It's different. Mm, yeah, definitely. And with the example that you gave about stress and cortisol, it reminds me of one of my previous clients who came to me and she said, I am intolerant to gluten and dairy and sugar. And now I think I'm going to have to give up coffee. I just can't eat anything. And I was like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. How is she intolerant to all these things? So mm-hmm. we did like a few different tests. And, and as we got along the way bear in mind she had been like this for about 10 years and about five weeks in I basically got her to kind of look at her food and what's she doing in her day and what are the meetings that she's having and how long is she driving and basically it just turned out that she's really really stressed and every time she basically ate anything because she was that stressed she had a reaction that would actually make her look like seven months pregnant like she genuinely got so bloated that she Mm -hmm. literally looked like you know and 
not fat. It's not fat. It's just like, you know, stress, like visible stress in the body. And then it got to the point where, you know, she actually changed the stress and put things in place. She was doing reading. She did a morning routine. She did Mm -hmm. a bit of mindfulness, meditation, yoga, obviously not all in one go. But then as she started implementing all these things, she could suddenly eat dairy again and she could have chocolate and she could have sugar Mm -hmm. and she didn't have to give up coffee and like all these things that people don't have intolerances half the time when they think they do. And it is literally Mm -hmm. the example that you gave, like how your, how your mind is accepting what you're doing literally Mm -hmm. can make you ill physically or make you feel amazing. So it's so powerful. And I think realizing that is such a, an empowering thing for people to realize that, wow, I can actually affect my body with what I'm thinking. Like I have so much power. Yeah. It's like health isn't just about what you're eating or how much exercise you're doing. It's also about what you're thinking and saying to yourself. Yeah. And you know, I used to joke with my clients, like if you have dinner and you're stressed about it, like you're probably going to be constipated in the morning. If you have dinner and you feel good about it, you're probably going to poop in the morning and everybody feels good when they poop in the morning. So there's that like chill yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know so it's true how do you make it so that these things that we're talking about like self-love and self-acceptance and body confidence don't just become like buzzwords that people are striving towards without kind of a real route in how to actually achieve it yeah I think when when it comes to food intuitive eating is like a must I think intuitive eating is not only for your relationship with food, but it's also a way to reconnect to your body and to start enjoying things. And I think it's very important to start feeling pleasure in your body. And that can also be food. So, you know, eating a piece of chocolate is orgasmic, but you know what else is orgasmic? Like having some really good self-pleasure. I thought you were going to say orgasms. (laughs) Orgasms. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So feeling letting yourself feel pleasure and i want our listeners and you to like think of that word pleasure right it's almost like does anybody else hate the word moist yeah it's almost like a weird word right like why do people hate the word moist because we're made to believe that for some reason moist is like really gross i don't know what associations you come up with but i have plenty and i feel like pleasure is it with the same uh negative energy whenever we say pleasure people are like oh like sex you know, but it's like, no, there's so many micro ways, ways that you can feel pleasure, whether it's stop and smell the roses, so to speak, or, you know, eating your meal slowly and like enjoying all the flavors or like dancing in your underwear, like that's pleasurable or, or sex and orgasms or self pleasure and letting your yourself and your body embrace the pleasure and slow down like slowing down, like slow down when you eat, slow down when you work, like slow, slow down your life. And you'll find that in the stillness, there's a really good book by Ryan Holiday that just came out. Actually, it's called Stillness is is the Key. When When you let yourself be still, I mean, that's what meditation is all about, but you can meditate through anything that you're doing. Just letting yourself slow down to feel good as you're doing things and to reconnect, just reconnect to source, whether that's like a spiritual thing for you or like reconnecting to your body. Um, those are ways that we can really move forward and feeling more confident with our bodies. Because I always say that your body is not an image. That's why even the term body image is kind of a paradox. And this all that I talk about in my TED Talk, your body is not an image. And the more we start saying like body image, body image, body image, it's like, okay, well, we already live in such an image driven society. What if we flip that to your body experience? And then what if we take it beyond your body and we say, what is your life experience? Like, what if we look at the bigger picture and we're not looking at ourselves in the mirrors or in photographs anymore? One thing I noticed in Bali is that there's not that many mirrors in Bali because you're on an island and, you know, the mirrors are only probably of your face and there's not those full length mirrors you, you see in, in the Western world and hotels and everything, right? You kind of just get up, get dressed and go explore the world, right? And how freeing is that when you're not constantly looking at yourself? So I always say instead of looking at your body, what if you felt in your body? So one way to do that is pleasure, intuitive eating and slowing down. Amazing tips. Absolutely incredible. And those are the ways that you actually embody the phrases rather than just say 
say them on the surface like that's going deep into them which I'm sure that you have a lot more information content where that comes from um I mean I have only followed you very recently actually and I can't even remember how I came across you but I'm very 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 glad that I did and one of the things I was going to say as well with um picking up on what you were just saying before when you were saying you know intuitive eating and something that I really like people to do is to think about you know like when you're looking at a menu for example in a restaurant Mm -hmm. like and are you looking at what I should eat because oh I should eat protein or I should have this many calories or I shouldn't really have a pizza or whatever and making the decision based on you know these surface shoulds or are you actually thinking what do I want to eat right now like what you said before I don't want to have a pizza because it's going to make me feel like shit or you know are you feeling like you want to have a bowl of pasta or whatever and I think that often we don't even think about that we just make these choices based on not how we feel and we whenever you know like you said before when we're kids we're so selfish and we're also just driven we are driven by what we want and what we feel right now and if we don't want to eat something we'll just throw it on the floor and not eat it but but then when whatever happens when we get to the stage where it's like we only eat stuff because we feel like it's gonna make our body look a certain way Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and like the should it's like stop shooting on yourself Mm. right pun intended like yeah it, that that goes back to like opa op and obo like it's based on other people what other people have projected onto you to be the truth but nobody knows you and nobody knows your body like you do mm. nobody does yeah. and we get to we get to start tapping into ourselves and stop looking for the external to give us answers like stop googling how to lose weight fast like just 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 stop doing it um, relationship advice, right? Like I, I used to find myself Googling relationship advice, even like, what do I do with this? Right? No, like, think about yourself. What are you okay with? What are your boundaries? What do you what do you want right now? Right? Like, what do you want? Truly? What do you want to eat? And what do you want to do? What do you want your life to look like? <laughs> what do you want with your relationship? Like, it's, it's about going from within, instead of relying on other people, because that's never going to never going to make us happy Mm. and what do you want what does your life look like for 2020 oh my goodness I have everything that I want Robin I don't even know how to answer that I know it feels so weird and my birthday was about a week ago and I blew out the candles of my birthday cake with my whole family and they're like make a wish and I'm just sitting there like I literally have nothing to wish for I love being in service, which I feel like I am right now. Of course, like there's different levels and like different capacities that I want to reach, but I feel just like on the right track, like very aligned. I love being in service. I love people. I think it's really cool to like people because I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, it was like really cool to be a pessimist and to not like people and to be a little shut down. Like I went through that phase. But now I just like love people. I just want to be around people. I want to connect. I want to touch them. Like I, if you come to a retreat, we'll probably like cuddle a lot. Um, and it's great. I love, I love my little sister. Like I want to be a really good role model for her. And, you know, I career wise, I guess, like, of course, there are like hopes and dreams and, and things that I'm working towards, um, you know, like, I, I, but I don't know. I just feel like everything is just coming into fruition. And it's, it's just about like, just keep doing what you're doing and enjoying what you're doing. So, um, you know, I do want children. I want to like be a mom and, and raise a very intuitive eater so to speak, <laughs> and a really selfish, you know, empowered child. And, and yeah, but like, I don't know. I just feel like I have everything. I'm going to start crying because of the gratitude. I told you at the beginning of our conversation, like I just feel so grateful and it's such a buzzword, but like I've never felt it at this level before in my life. So it's, it's very surreal for me. Amazing. And I was going to say firstly, two things. Firstly, happy birthday. And secondly, <laughs> secondly, genuinely, when I come to retreat, not if I come to retreat, when. <laughs> and yeah. thirdly, I was going to say that, oh, I've lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Something else on what you just said. Um, oh, that's good. Oh, I'll talk to you. Yeah, I got yeah. it. I got it. So thirdly, I was going to say, 
Um, with all these things that you're saying, like I feel like we're on the same page in terms of like visualizing and you know gratitude for where you're at now. Like I fully hear everything that you're saying with that, and I really, I really get that. Do you do visualizations and affirmations? I always like to know. Oh yeah. Okay. So let me tell you my spiel about affirmations. Go on. And this is like a, you'll learn this at a retreat when you come. Yeah. Um, but this is like the key to affirmations that I feel like most people like skip over. Affirmations are not, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, or I make money, I make money, I make money, right? Affirmations are actually beliefs, like little mantras, but they have to be ignited with emotion. So for me, when I'm doing a visualization, when I'm writing, like there are 16 women coming to my Bali retreat. You don't understand how many times I wrote that because I mean, it's hard to convince 16 people to meet a stranger on the internet in Bali, right? And how the amount of times I wrote 16 women, I would draw them out. But the key is to feel the emotions. It's not to just just say it or just write it seven times or whatever the the key and you'll you'll hear any visualization meditation teacher talk about or manifestation teacher is what I meant to say any manifestation teacher will talk about like feel what it's like to to be already be there so it really has to be like supercharged and I always do this this with my hands like I'm turning on a car like you have to supercharge your your affirmations or your beliefs with a shit ton of emotion whatever that emotion may be. So if you're not, you know, if you're not crying or getting goosebumps or hysterically laughing or feeling this excitement as you're writing your affirmations, then you're probably doing it wrong and they're probably not going to come true. It has to be like emotional for you, like an experience, like as if you're already there. So to answer your question, yes, I do do that. (laughs) And do you do them every day? I don't have like a ritual where I sit down and I do them every day. Um, the little simple thing that I do do every day or almost every day is I have this thing called Ask the Angels and I have a really funny story. Do we have time for it? Can I tell yeah, you a yeah. really funny story? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, my mom threw a birthday party for herself and my, my mom is Russian, by the way, my whole family is Russian. So my mom invites all her Russian girlfriends over and there's this, this one woman, her name's Victoria and she like changed my life in the most simplest way. Like she walks in with all her like, Chanel this, like Gucci that, whatever. She's like this woman that I, I just love how accepting she is of other people. And she just, she's just amazing, an amazing woman. But I got like a wooden spoon stuck in the dishwasher because I, I put, you know, like a spatula in there and it got stuck to a point where my dishwasher wouldn't open. And we just got this dishwasher and I was panicking because I was at my mom's house. And I have my mom come over and we're tugging at this spoon and all her friends come over and we're all like squatting, trying to get this wooden spoon out of the dishwasher. And Victoria on her little Chanel heels or whatever she's wearing, she like comes over like all posh and all back straight and with so much confidence. And she's like, ladies, come on, everybody. Why don't we ask the angels? And so she like took a moment and she just like closed her eyes. And I don't know what kind of witchcraft she did, but she effortlessly bent in her leather pants, like squatted, and effortlessly took this wooden spoon out of the goddamn dishwasher when all of us were tugging at it forcefully and trying to like, you know, do it. And she was like, just let it go. Ask the angels. They got you. So that's one thing that I always do. I like for real till this day, if there's something that I just feel like it's too forceful, you know, I'm trying to make a a brand deal happen or I'm trying to, you know, fill, fill a retreat and, or I'm trying to, you know, I don't know, make something happen with my family, or I'm trying to like manifest something at a certain point. I'm just like, all right, let us ask the angels. With the accent. With the accent. It has to be with the accent. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. I'm 100% using that. And do you know what it reminds me of when you're looking for something and you look and you look and you've looked in the place and then yeah. you're just like, right, take a step back, breathe. And then you've literally been staring at it. It's been in your face, but because you're, you've got that much like stressy energy around it, you actually physically can't yep. see it. So mm-hmm. same thing. Same, literally the same just thing. The angels. Mm-hmm. Love it. <laughs> that is amazing. I, yeah. Oh, I'm glad this, you like it. Don't, you can know, I, what, what did you say? 
No, I was going to say thanks for letting me share that because I don't really share that that kind of stuff on my Instagram as much, but it's getting me really inspired to do so. <laughs> Definitely do. I feel like people will love that. It's really beautiful. And it's just, it's nice because I feel like you've said so many things today that different people, and I'm literally thinking of, you know, past clients, clients that will hear everything that you're saying like to their core I can almost like hear it for them and I'm literally like I need to send this person this and that person that of all the things that you've said today so I appreciate that so much that you've given value to all these different people that I know and I said this to someone the other day that podcasting and your TEDx talk it's the same thing you know it's like um passive emotional income so passive income obviously is income that just happens when you don't even know about it and make money in your sleep as they say etc but whereas uh-huh. this is like this podcast we will be talking to people when we're asleep when we're working when we're doing whatever we're doing and we don't even know who's listening and what they're feeling but that's going to be there forever and same with all your content and everything and I just think that that is so special because you've said what you've said now in this hour and it will just continue to grow to Oh, you know, people to come. oh I love that passive emotional income thank you <laughs> that makes me so happy I would love to share this on my podcast too yeah and direct people to positively selfish as well especially given the work that you're doing in such a like a tricky space of you know nutrition and, and balance and and those kinds of things um, because more people need guidance that really comes from a calm place right mm. like not from a place of you need to lose weight yeah so, yeah thank you so much I really really appreciate that no it's all good and speaking of positively selfish something I always like to ask all my guests is what does positively selfish mean to you Ooh, okay let me think about this um positively selfish for me I think it's just it's it's what it's selfish but without the negative undertones right and I say that actually hating yourself is a lot more selfish than loving yourself because there's such a misconception that self-love is selfish when in reality like hating yourself is selfish because who are you thinking about all the time when you're hating yourself it's yourself whereas positively selfish it's really that idea of like putting yourself first so that your cup is so full it overflows to everybody else right that you're so full of love for yourself that it comes to everybody else and it really it's always positive because it Self-love can never be negative, ever, ever. And a lot of people think that narcissists are like the embodiment of negative self-love. In reality, narcissism actually comes from a tremendous amount of self-hate. And you can go into like the actual psychology behind narcissists, which I'm not qualified to do that right now, but to plant the seed that even that, you know, idea in our head that we have about being selfish in a negative way even that usually stems from a lot, a lot of self-hate as such as like narcissists. So Mm. positively selfish is like getting a facial on the weekend so that you come home glowing and it's just everybody likes to be around you because you're glowing and you're happy and you did something for yourself and, and your kids are like, mom, you look so good. And you're like, I know, babe. And then you spend the best time with them. Like how amazing does that sound when you put yourself first? Um, and especially if everybody put themselves first, like I feel like the world would be such a better place because putting yourself first and being positively selfish is like a different level of self-awareness. Sing it. Mic drop. What does it mean to you? I want to know. What does it mean to you? To me, it means almost kind of, firstly, in a practical sense, it's understanding that you are at the top of your priority list. And, you know, when we have all this stuff to do, we have our to-do list and kids and partner and friends and work and clients and business and da da da, and then all my stuff just falls down to the bottom. Um, that is literally flipping around and putting your stuff first. So even like when you have your own business, like you pay yourself first and then yep. other stuff happens because if you Profit don't... first, baby. Exactly. <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. And okay, so that's what it means to me in a practical sense. And then in an emotional sense, it's really giving yourself time and energy so that 
you can be the best mum or the best partner or the best friend or the best employee or the best boss. And exactly like you said, doing that is selfless because then you are the best, all those things. And, you know, no one would say about you that you were the best friend or partner or sister or parent or whatever if you sat there all the time and you were just like do I look okay am I fat am I ugly is my hair okay is my skin really bad Mm -hmm. like that's just no you you're too in yourself whereas if you actually take the time like you said and and to me like positively selfish time could be like going to sit in the sauna for 20 minutes I love doing that and like reading my book or like listening to my audio book or you know going to the gym like those are the Mm. practical things and I will always do those things and dancing as well so I dance I'm a Latin American and ballroom dancer and to me like dancing is is just the height of positively selfish because Mm. I don't even think about anything when I'm on the dance floor it's like nothing else matters everything else is irrelevant nothing's going on in my head I'm just so happy when I come out it's like I've just had an injection of endorphins so if oh. I then just stop doing all those things, then I would just be a big moody bitch, which nobody wants. <laughs> oh, that is true. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It. You have been absolutely amazing. Literally have loved recording with you, honestly. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Robin. I'm so, I'm so, so honored. And you're a great interviewer. So Thank you. See, you got so much out of me. I don't Hi. always talk much. I sometimes <laughs> I talk a little bit less, but you know. okay. Thank you. Well, just before <laughs> you do go, please, can you tell us where we find you, where we find your retreats, most importantly, as we're mm-hmm. booking um, a minibus from Manchester to the next one. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Tell we should get like you... a private jet yeah yes please that is positively <laughs> oh, yeah. selfish <laughs> yes um so you can find me on social media at mary's cup of tea i do enjoy my tea i hope you you people in england can appreciate that oh, yes. and Love a cup of tea. <laughs> i know that's like the stereotype sorry i have yeah. to bring that in <laughs> mary's cup of tea on social i'm mostly on instagram I do have a YouTube channel, my TED Talk. You can just search Mary TED Talk and it'll probably come up. Mary Jolkowski TED Talk. And um, for retreats, you can go to my website, maryscupoftea.com. And there'll be on the menu, uh, a tab called self-love retreats and you'll see the retreats coming up. So I hope you can join. I hope I can meet you and squeeze you and cuddle you. And it's going to be a great time. (laughs) Insane. I cannot wait. And everyone, yes, we we should book a trip. (laughs) (laughs) and okay so go and check mary out mary thank you so so much again honestly you've been incredible and have an amazing rest of your day happy v-day thank you happy v-day to you too robin and we're still waiting on if there's a if there's a thing for guys we are we are i'm gonna go survey the boyfriend i'm gonna call my stepdad and be like what are we gonna call this yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) and everyone else as always oh no problem everyone else as always stay positively selfish Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. I know it was a little bit different, but I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure to screenshot this wherever you're listening and post it on your Instagram stories. Tag me and let me know what you think. I love seeing your feedback on the podcast and resharing your Instagram stories. It just makes me so, so happy. And if you want to go the extra mile to help out me and the show, you can leave a review um, on iTunes. If you're listening on iTunes, you could just scroll down and there will be these stars where you can select how many stars you want and leave your thoughts about the show. It really does help other people find this podcast and it helps a lot with brand sponsors because that is something that brand sponsors look at and podcasting is a little bit expensive. So thank you for helping me help you. I love you so much and I will talk to you soon.